I've got a wonderful book to preach from this morning. God's Holy Word. In the old church when I was growing up, I almost heard more Reader's Digest than I did the Book of God. No wonder I didn't get saved until I was 16 years old. The Lord was working in my heart before that, but I didn't hear the Word quite as much as I would have heard it. or I'd have heard it a lot more in a Bible-preaching church that preached about hell and heaven and sin, personal sins. In the churches that you've all been in in days gone by, I hope you heard preaching on hell. Jesus preached more about hell than he did heaven. I'm not preaching on hell this morning, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you better hear a message. I remember Dr. Bob Jones uh, Jr., who's died and went on to be with the Lord, and he said, I was checking up on my record. And he, he preached before I got to this conference, and he said, I, I noticed that I hadn't preached on hell for a while. He said, my message is all completely, every bit of it on hellfire. Preached it before I got there. What about personal sins? You know, these are the messages one fellow that said, I preached the least, Brother Robert. Personal sins. Hell, fire. The holiness of God. What were the other ones? Conscience. Whew. Then you can figure out what the fifth one was. I can't remember. I get the four and then I, I forgot the fifth one. Boy, we need to hear about our sins, don't we? I remember Dr. Dolphus Price, and, and he said Dr. Bob Jones Sr. came to his school. He just died this. He died within the last year, Dr. Dolphus Price, graduate of Tennessee Temple University. What a preacher he was. And he was preaching that day, telling about when Dr. Bob Jones Sr. came to his public school. And in his marvelous way, I couldn't tell you Exactly, I wished I had kind of memorized that the tape may be somewhere in my house somewhere. But he said he dethroned Caesar and everything. Boy, he did everything when he preached. But he said he, he wasn't just talking about, he said when he preached, he said he wasn't just talking about Moses and Abraham. He was talking about George and Bill. <laughs> Whoa, he said you knew who he was talking to. And listen, that's what we need. We need to know that we have sinned. So we can get our sins forgiven, cleansed, washed. Personal sins. Oh, and then hell. Anyone with any wisdom doesn't want to go there. We don't have to go either. I've got a beautiful heaven. And I'm not hoping I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. It's up to you if you see me. Amen. I will be there. I have the record. I have been redeemed. Thank the Lord for His grace and His goodness. Aren't you glad that you were born in America where you can have a Bible instead of in Iraq? Where they want to spit on this book. I have no regard for this book. And this is the one I love. This is the one that showed me how to get my sins forgiven. Oh, how love I thy law is my meditation all the day. When I got saved at 16 years old, I picked up the Bible and I haven't put it down since. Amen? I'm talking about it in my heart. Hello? First one I read in the morning. The last one I put down at night. Wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Words of truth and beauty. Words of duty, it says in the song. Wonderful words. Wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. Do you love the Bible? If not, you need to get saved. You'll love it then. 
That's what happened to me at 16. I started, I hated to read. I heard people have heard this many times. We have visitors here. And when I got saved, I hated to read. Didn't even read the comic strips. I, was just, I didn't like to read. Now I love to read. But oh, at the beginning. But as soon as I got saved, I started reading. Someone told me to read in John's Gospel, read at least a chapter a day. And I've, I've done that all my life. Now I read, oh, I was encouraged recently to read 10 chapters a day, 9 or 10 chapters. I was doing that. May do that for a while. May that do that for years. And you know, we have family devotions. We had it this morning. I have personal devotions with God. Family devotions at night we have, twice in a day, because Matthew Henry, he, his whole commentary, the best commentary in the English language, came from Matthew Henry's morning and evening devotions. Oh, what a commentary it is. You, what was his name? George Whitfield called him the great Mr. Henry. He said, I've read his whole commentary on my knees. But what was it? It's a Bible commentary. <laughs> Not about politics. <laughs> about the book. And in our family and personal devotions, what is it? It's all around the book. The book of God. This is our, this is our authority. You know, they waved this, this big old black book at Lester Roloff over here in Baylor way back many years ago. And that uh, that theology teacher, that teacher of the scriptures and the things that God said. Lester, this is your sole authority for life and practice, this whole Bible. I believe that today. <laughs> this is it, our sole authority. It's not what the Baptist church says, it's what God's word says. Amen? Although Baptist doctrine, I believe, is Bible doctrine. But we could get away from the book too. We could get away from the word. Well, I want to talk to you about Job again. We've been going through Job. So turn over there to Job. I'm on number 54. We've preached two or three sermons already. Seven, about seven points of each one. And this is uh, Job. Just turn to the book of Job, and we'll read those first couple verses there, and we'll go, up, go from there. What a marvelous book this is. Tremendous book. Of the Bible. By the way, I would think that maybe this is the, uh, the this book is close to being the most difficult to understand. Because why in the world would God so allow His servant to be tested by Satan that the Lord would allow all of His camels and all of His sheep and all of His oxen, whatever He had, everything is. His uh, she asks, it says, and every, everything, all these things were taken away from him and the servants. And then all ten of his children, seven sons and three daughters, all died in one day as the wind hit that building they were in, whatever it was. He was the wealthiest man in the east, it says. And the Lord, it just, it's just kind of, Makes you think, would God normally allow all ten of someone's children to die? Not normally. But this was not a normal testing. This was, this was, a, a, this was a, a time of testing. God said, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. <laughs> none like him. He eschews evil. He hates evil and loves good. He fears God. Wow. Well, Satan said, yes, but you've got a hedge around him. We have a hedge around us, too. 
Satan was right about that. Satan's right about a lot of things, but he's wrong about a lot too. He'll quote scripture to you and interpret it the wrong way. And so God took the hedge out from him. He said, you can touch everything he has, but you can't touch Job. And so all this was taken away, all ten of his children, all of his, everything. His wealth was, was destroyed in one day. Everything was gone in one day. Then his wife's confidence left as well. All of his friends turned against him. This is hard to understand, isn't it? That God would so allow this to happen. And then Satan was still not satisfied. You know what they said? Dost thou still, still retain thine integrity? And then you know what it says? In all this, in all this, Job was still righteous before God. In all this, look at it in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. I've got to read it to you. Chapter 2 of Job, verse, verse 10. In all this did not Job sin, nor uh, sin with his lips. In all this. In all this. And this is after the, the second testing. God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Still not, nothing like him. And the devil says, if you... If you touch his body, he'll curse you to your face. And the devil was wrong about that, because Job didn't curse God. He had boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. After he'd lost all of his children, after he'd lost all of his wealth, the confidence of his servants, everything, then he loses his health completely afterwards. When God said, have you considered my servant Job? This is not a normal testing, friends. This is supernatural testing. Isn't that right? You don't see God often talking to Satan anyhow. And Satan responding. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of hard to figure out too, isn't it? Right? God's talking to the devil and the devil talks back to him. I mean, very, this book's very difficult to understand. But it's an unbelievable testing. Job came out as pure gold. And he got back double all that he had before. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? That's a good question for Pastor Harvey. It's a good question for you, dear friend, visitor, regular attender. Are you going to have integrity, honesty with yourself and with others? How many of us deceive ourselves? How often, if we're not careful, we think we're something when we're nothing? The Bible says we're not to have any confidence in our flesh. In my flesh, Brother Robert, it says, dwelleth no good thing. The flesh is carnal. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It makes you an enemy of God, the carnal mind. But we're to be spiritually minded. Well, that's why we we encourage you to read your Bible every day. Prayer. I'd like to know if there... No, I'm not going to ask you the question, but ask yourself the question, how many of you spent in a whole seven days a total of an hour in prayer talking to God? Listen, I'm a minister of the gospel. And I've made an effort in my life and will till the day I die to, to spend at least an hour in prayer to God a day. How can I be a leader to my people if I don't learn to pray? 
And I've got weak flesh too. Sometimes the alarm goes off at 4.30 and I don't roll out of bed. But thank the Lord I rolled out this morning. Amen. And then I had to come over here for prayer at 7 o'clock. So I just stayed up from 4.30, 6. And I did shower and shave. That's about all I did. And I was praying the whole time. Praying for some of you. I spent a lot of time praying for me though. Because I got a lot of problems myself. I got to keep myself straight before I help everybody else out. Amen? Hello? Huh? See, sometimes we think we're just walking with God, God you know? And we're, we're not as close as we think we are. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How don't we all think we're such... Before I got saved, I, was, I thought I was the best little Methodist on two feet. I mean, I was a good Methodist. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't even want to. I didn't curse. I honored my mother and my father. But I had some other sins in my life. And God had to deal with those. Oh, yes. Other sins. We think we're so wonderful. And when I finally got to the place where I saw that there was, that, oh, my whole, whole being was not right with God, that was when business picked up in my soul and I got saved. When I started seeing myself as God saw me, then God made me what he wanted to make me. And he's still working on me, too. It was in a little sign in the back of their bumper sticker, I'm not perfect but forgiven or something like that. Or the Lord's still working on me. There's a little song. I'm not all that I ought to be. But another fellow said, oh, Billy Kelly used to say, he said, I'm not what I want to be and what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. Amen? We're new creatures in Christ. Oh, my. Well, let's read those couple of verses. Stand with me, please. You say, oh, is that the introduction? Well, we're going to be here forever. Oh, prayer changes things. Just pray, right? And we'll get out of here quicker than you think. Amen? All right, read with me verse 1 through verse 4. Please. There was a man in the land of Uz. Follow with me, please. Let's read it together. This is Job 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep 3,000 camels, and 5,000 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Let's pray. Our Father... We thank Thee for Thy Word. Bless it now to our hearts as we consider these few things. Dear God, we just pray that we would search our hearts. As the the verse says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then, dear Lord, that great verse, uh, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Dear Lord of the visitors and our regular attenders in my own mind, please corral my mind 
into the thinking on these glorious truths about Job being a type of Christ. And may it do something eternal in our soul. May we rejoice in these many that have been saved recently. Dear Lord, help us to ever remember these young, these young ones. Their hearts are tender and precious. And dear God, uh, things are very vivid to them, very alive and real to them. And they're very impressionable. And so, God, work. May we, as the Scripture says, as Jesus rebuked the disciples and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. He was rebuking the disciples for not allowing the mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters to bring the little ones to him that he might pray for them and bless them and put his hands on them. Dear God, help us to realize the preciousness of young people and babies and little ones. May we not offend one of them who believes in thee, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to say, first of all, Job was a worker. Boy, in America, we used to have a tremendous work ethic. But now, I, believe, I fear for our teenagers, it's, it's not how much work can I do, but how much can I get out of doing. I want you to know Job did not get that wealth, although God did have a hedge around him, and God did bless him. He got it by diligence. Diligence. He had all these things because he worked it, taking care and guiding his servants and working and being the example. He was a worker. We need to, uh, the young ladies need to be workers too. That's right. My daughter worked on the piano, trying to get prepared as, as Jenna's left, and she worked on that piano. This morning in different days. I'm telling you, with camp and everything else. But, I mean, she just goes on the piano and she's just, you know, nervous wreck. She'll get over that after a while. I used to be so nervous when I got in the pulpit. I don't know, I just feel like I'm at home here. <laughs> you know, isn't it something to, to like something, uh, that, to, that your work is something that you like, you love it, you just love to preach. I pity these preachers that don't like to preach. I, I, I'm not like a fish out of water. I'm in my, I'm in my element right now. <laughs> Amen? I love it. God called me to it. And I just enjoy it. It's not always pleasant. I'm talking about the responses. But then again, blessing. When just one soul comes to Christ. Oh, what a great blessing. Or one young man or young lady get called into the things of God for full-time Christian service. All my heart just leaps for joy because I remember when God spoke to me about all that. When God saved me. Oh, I get so excited about it. Christ was a worker. Jesus said, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business when he was lost and he was found in the temple? Talking to the doctors. He said, Wist ye not? I must be about my father. I don't know, but maybe Jesus pointed his finger toward heaven when he said that because his guardian Joseph and Mary were standing right there his real mother see Joseph was not the father of the Lord Jesus Christ he was the guardian that which is conceived in use of the Holy Ghost behold a virgin shall be with child a miracle Jesus, everything about Jesus is miraculous don't try to get Jesus into the, into the norm or he's not normal he's God <laughs> 
Jesus is God in the flesh. Did you know that? I remember saying that to a young boy over at the barracks, a Lutheran boy. And he said, I said, you know, Jesus is God. He, he said, what? He said, well, he's the son of God. I said, yes, he's the son of God. and He's God, too. Everything about Jesus is miraculous. Jesus said, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And they took up stones to stone him to death. Because he claimed to be God. But he was God, is God, and forever shall be God. You say at his baptism, what, what was he doing? Throwing like the, like the Jehovah's Witness. They try to say, what did he do? Throw his voice up there. You heard that one? Huh? No, we believe in the Trinity. Because you can't explain God. He's the creator and we're the created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it says over in John, all things were made by him, by Christ, the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. So God the Father spake and said, let there be light. And God the Son, Jesus, made the light. And he made everything in and by the, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't start in the womb of his mother. Though that was miraculous, he is the creator. Let us make man in our image. That sure destroys this evolutionary garbage. I didn't come from some lower species. I came from God. And by the way, it, this business of the fashioning in the womb, it's all through the Bible. I didn't know that in my early walk with the Lord. In fact, I didn't know very much about it until I came here. 17 years. I've been saved for 45 years. But I didn't learn that till recently. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations. In other places it says God fashioned us in the womb. It's even spoken in Job about being fashioned in the womb. God made every one of us miraculously and peculiarly, peculiarly, whatever, in a peculiar way in our mother's womb. And I'd like you to explain how you got here and what you had in getting yourself here. Hmm? Weren't we, aren't we smart people? Hmm? God had us come this way for a reason. Did you know some species, when they're born, they say they're full, they're, they're, you know what I mean, they're almost mature, full grown or whatever. Not, not us. It takes us uh, 18 years and maybe should be 25 years. We still don't know what we're doing. You know how many people come to the marriage altar and they don't know. They don't know. They know there's five, you know, fingers, fingers on a hand, but they, they don't know much else than that. I mean about anything much in regard to family life. Am I right? But the Lord takes care of all that as long as they're Christians and they believe in God and trust the Lord and go to church and serve the Lord and they're saved and walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Job was not lazy. He was industrious. Christ seldom rested. Christ prayed all night in prayer before he chose the 12 apostles. He was weary at the well when the woman in John 4 came up to him. He was weary and he sat thus on the well. And he said, give me a drink. He was thirsty. He had sent his disciples into the city to buy meat, to buy food. He was weary. They asked him when he came back because he led the woman to, the, to, to himself and she got saved and left the water pot there and left the picture of her sin there and she went back with the whole well in her soul. <laughs> Jesus said, it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. 
She left her water pot. It's a picture of leaving your sin. She went back to the men. She'd been married five times, living with the sixth one out of wedlock. She went back and told the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ, the anointed one? And she brought the whole city to Christ. Half of them by her word, and the other group came out because of her testimony and heard the master themselves and got saved. It seems like, you know, it's almost like Nineveh. All of Nineveh got saved at the preaching of Jonah. And it seems like the whole town got saved of Samaria. No, Nineveh was later judged, but not then. Thank God they got mercy. They all repented. Amen? The woman at the well, she seems like the whole town got saved by a woman's testimony. Have you met anybody yet that's been married five times, living with a sixth one out of wedlock? I've never met one in my 45 years of being saved. You almost have to go to California for that. I've never met one that went through the ceremony five times, living with a sixth one out of wedlock. I've never met one. Don't. Don't really care to have that happen either. I'm talking about in their life or my knowing about it. Amen? That's the kind Jesus saved and God used her. Jesus used her to win a whole city to himself. I think God could use some of us if we just say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. Help me. I call her dirty girl, but Jesus washed her up, cleaned her up. I think all over town, dirty girl got saved. Would you believe it? Dirty girl, not dirty girl. Oh, not, not dirty girl. Oh, yes, dirty girl got saved. Well, I won't believe it till I see it myself. She was, she was the, the wayward woman of all the town, I'm telling you. But Jesus came by. Jesus cares for dirty people. Jesus cares for sinful people. They were upset with him. The disciples came back and wondered why he even talked with a woman like that at the well. And the commentator says that only her kind come out at that time of the day to get water. She was ostracized. People knew her lifestyle. How could she, how could she get a whole town saved if, if, if she wasn't infamous in her wickedness? Someone said, some preachers have said, when I go to a town, find out the worst drunk in town, and we'll all home in on them, and we get that worst drunk in town saved, and then, the, then we'll be able to reach many, many, many in that town for Christ. I've heard testimony of them doing that. The man got saved, and everybody said, John got saved? Not John. Whoa! Well, if, John, if God had saved him, there must be something to it. I, I'll come to the meeting. I'll come, man. Is John going to be there? Oh, John's going to be there? Oh, I'll come. I want to just see if he's changed any. And then instead of just seeing John, they see Jesus. <laughs> Amen? And they're made new creatures in Christ. Why? Because God saved the lowest of the old. You know, God saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. All that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. God can't help these self-righteous people too much. He came to save sinners, not those that say, oh, I'm not like that crowd. I, I, I'm not like those dirty people. Over on the si other side of the, of the, the, the tracks, I, I, I'm good. I don't smoke and drink, and I wouldn't do that, and I don't talk like that. No, you've got your own sins, don't you? You're just like Pastor Harvey before God saved him. 
self-righteous. That won't save you. You've got, to get, you've got to see yourself as God sees you. All right, this matter, not being lazy. Then Job was against evil men and wickedness. Job 29, verse 17. Look at this verse with me. Job 29, verse 17. Job says, And I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his teeth. Job cared for the poor. Look what it says in verse 16. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. I break the jaws of the wicked. Oh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was against the wicked as well. Their sin. It says in Psalm 11, verse 5, But the wicked, he shall rain snares and fire and brimstone. Psalm 12, uh, 2 and 3. Is that the verse there? Psalm 12, 2 and 3. Turn over there a moment with me. Oh, the Lord is our righteousness, but God hates evil. He hates sin. He loves and wants to convert and bring those to himself that are unrighteous. 12, verse 2 and 3, if I can find it here. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. I have James 1, 8 there. And then verse 3, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. God hates the wickedness of wicked people. Job did as well. Then Job was, this is really interesting. There's this back and forth in the life of Job. By the way, Job uh, is a type of Christ, is what we're really directing you to. And all these points that I've had is that Job is a type of Christ in these ways. Jesus suffered, suffered greatly, and Job suffered greatly, emotionally, physically, and every other way. Job was respected highly at first. Then he was disrespected, and then he was respected again. I mean, he was the richest man of the East. You look at the record here, and the people, they, they just stand the guest and wait for his words to come out of his mouth. When he was in the gate and everything, the young people kept their mouths shut. When Job spoke, then he had his problem. Then even his three older men, the three older men, they were older. And they sat there for seven days. When they first saw him, they just wept and moaned. They couldn't believe that this was Job. He was so marred more than any man, like, like Christ. He was much like Christ, marred. They couldn't even recognize him. Can you imagine boils from the top of your head to the sole of your feet? So here he's blessed. Then what? Cursed. They tried to find sin in his life. They said, you're sick because of sin, Job. No, he was sick because God was allowing Satan to test him. So it's not always like it looks, is it? Not always. You better search your heart and make sure you're in the Bible and in prayer. Christ and our Christ was respected highly at first. The wise men and the shepherds came to worship him from the east, way over, way with a great caravan. We we sing, we three kings of Orinar. There were maybe maybe a multitude of kings. It was enough to stir all of Jerusalem up. 
bring the attention of the chief priests and, and Herod himself, the king. And then the worship, they worshipped him. Simeon worshipped him as they brought the, uh, the little Jesus there. And then Anna went and t- spoke to everybody in Jerusalem about the Lord Jesus. The shepherds came and worshipped the, the, the Christ at the very birth. The wise men seems like they came later when he was a child because it speaks about the house, not the stable. And then Herod wanted to kill the Lord Jesus, you remember. And he killed all the males under two years old. So Jesus might have been around two years old. It maybe took a long time for those wise men to come. By the way, God guided them. Then Christ was disrespected by the scribes, the Pharisees, and they cried out and said, Crucify him! Crucify him! He's a blasphemer! They got all these people to claim he was a, a blasphemer. Claims to be God. And then he was highly respected and worshipped after his resurrection. And yet he's worshipped by us today, by me today. I'll worship him. Oh, I'll kiss his feet in a moment spiritually. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way. Oh, to be at the feet of Jesus spiritually. Amen? That song, isn't he wonderful, wonderful? Wonderful isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful. Eyes have seen, ears have heard. It's recorded in his God. Isn't, in his word, isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Then what else? And we even worship him. We'll be worshiping him forever. They'll be crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then we, I, I believe we'll, we'll end with this one right here. Uh, Job 29. Job had glory in him. 29, verse 20. Job 29 and verse 20. Have you ever seen the Lord spiritually? If you'll see him, you'll see him like Isaiah, high and lifted up, and his train will fill the temple. And you know what you'll do if you really see the Lord spiritually with your spiritual eye? I'm not talking about physically. We don't believe in in that today. Sorry if you do. Some of you get, have gotten taught wrongly, I'm sure. You know, people believe anything they're taught, so we better teach them the right thing. If you teach the Bible, you'll be all right. Stick to the Bible. And when you don't understand what it says, just keep your mouth shut and go on. Mm-hmm. Amen? The big old black preacher, he says, he said, he said when I find something I, I don't understand, I just approves it and goes on. Hmm? Better approve it and go on. My pastor, my favorite pastor, Pastor Clyde Ebert, he did not understand speaking in tongues at all. And so he said, I, I read through it, but I didn't preach it because I wasn't sure. He said, now I got it settled, but after years I got that settled. He said, now I preach it, no problem at all. You don't get it all in one day, friends. Amen? We need to use the tongue we have for the Lord, all this speaking in tongues business. I'm sorry, I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. I was around it. I was around it. They were trying to get me to do it. And I wanted everything. I wanted to heal the sick, raise the dead. Amen. Now! (laughs) I was, I mean, I was fired up. My heart was right, but my head was all mixed up. And I just read more Bible, heard more preaching, and I got it all straight. God can do anything. 
But he will not work in, in, against the word of God. And God worked differently in different times. Don't you think he's the same God? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. But you're not an apostle. The last of the apostles was the apostle Paul, I believe. He saw the Lord. He was one, as one born out of due season. And even he had special miracles to prove his apostleship to the Gentiles. As Peter had great miracles to prove his apostleship to the Jews. And Peter gave, God gave Peter keys. You know what keys do? They open doors. God used Peter to open the door at Pentecost to the Jews. And then in Acts 10, 10 he gave him the, the door to open the gospel to the Gentiles, Cornelius, in Acts 10. God gives keys to people to use them. God used him. They wanted to just get under the shadow of Peter to be healed. Some of these people think they can heal everybody. Well, you just send them to me. Okay? When they come to town here, you send them to me, and I want to go up to the VA hospital, and I want to see every one of them get up. And I'm not a skeptic. I'm for healing. I'm for God healing. God can still heal. I'm not saying that. But you go to the VA hospital, and we'll see if every one of them get up. They all want to get well over there. They'd all like to live another 10 or 20 years over there. Hello? Hello? Huh? Jesus healed them every one. Hmm? Have you seen anybody lately? They just want to get under Peter's shadow and they got healed? You better make sure you're un, in, under the real fire, and the real fire happened at our camp this week. Greatest miracle is not a person getting healed in their body. The Jews require a sign, but I'm not a Jew, and the gospel's to everybody now. They required a sign, and Jesus was the sign man. Everything he did, every person he ever touched got healed, everyone, not in their soul but in their body. Everyone. Not in their soul, but in their body. There's not a one that came to Jesus sick that went away still sick. You search the scriptures. He's God. Amen? Praise God. All ten of those, was it lepers? All ten of them got healed. Only one came back to say thank you. And that was a foreigner. Praise God. If the Jews won't say thank you, praise God, the Gentiles will. Hmm? There's not a true blue Jew in the whole place. Hmm? So don't take too pride in your, your press, uh, pe pedigree. Amen? Our pedigree is in Christ. He gave me a blood transfusion spiritually. In 1959, and I've been different ever since. Amen? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's Bible. Who hath washed us in revelation from our sins in his own blood. I've been washed. He's saying that at camp. Wash me, wash me, wash me. God of glory, wash me, wash thou me. Amen. Cleanse me. We all need a cleansing. I'd like to see one person who was too holy last week. You can't be too holy. You can't love Jesus too much last week. You can't pray too much last week. 
You can't really search the scriptures too much last week. We can search them too little. You can't obey too much, can you? <laughs> Amen? You can't love your Bible too much. Don't tell me that. You can't do it. You can't love other people too much. The only thing you could do is you could love those people too much at the expense of not loving your Savior as much as you should, you know. But still, there's nothing wrong with you loving those people with your, your whole soul being. And I'm, I'm talking about spiritual love now. I'm not talking about fleshly love. Hello? Divine love. You get what I mean? Certain things you can't do too much of. In fact, I encourage myself and others to do it all the time. How many led too many souls last week to Jesus? You can't do that. You can't weep too much over sinners. You can weep too little over sinners. And Jesus wept over sinners. Hello? Glory, 2920. You're already there, I'm sure. 2920. My glory was fresh in me, Job said. And my bow was renewed in my hand. Do you get that? My glory was fresh in me. And our Jesus, our lovely Lord Jesus, all glory. Christ had all glory in him. Jesus even said, when I get to my place, but then they looked at Christ. What about his glory when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration? You know what it says? As he prayed, as he prayed, he was transfigured before him. Don't you think you'd be changed a little bit if Jesus was changed a little bit and he was God to begin with? He was God before he started praying. He was God after he started praying. I mean, when he finished praying. And as he prayed, even Job, as Job prayed for his friends, God delivered him. God delivered him as he prayed for his friends. Can you pray for everybody? You know, the problem with most of us is, and this pastor included, is we pray too little for each other. We do. We pray too little for ourselves. That's why we mess up so much, right? I try to preface all my prayers. I, I fail at times because I'm not used to that. I just learned this in the last year or so through Brother Snodderly that we ought to confess our sins before the Lord before we, as we come into his presence. Say, Lord, forgive me. Keep my eyes from sinning against you, my ears from hearing the wrong thing, my mouth from speaking the wrong thing. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me. And then you pray for others after you first prayed for yourself. I fail sometimes, Brother Robert, you know, but I need to pray a lot for this fellow right here. Because, see, if I can keep myself in love with Jesus and his word, keep my own heart right, I might be able to help someone else. If I'm not right with myself and with my God, then I can help other people a little bit, but I won't be able to help them like I really like to help them. And like God really wants them to be helped. But when you die to yourself, empty yourself, and let Christ live through you, then all of a sudden things, things start happening. Well, Job is a wonderful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of these and all these other types that we've brought up, how much are we like Job in those good points of Job or in those places where he was a type of Christ? How are we doing in our walk 
we're surely, all of us, all of us, this pastor included, we're not doing as well as Job did. Hello? I don't think we're doing as well as Job did. Any of us. I think Job had a good family relationship. His wife was just weak at that moment. She's the weaker vessel anyhow. My wife and I were talking, and she said, she said, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says that Job put his wife away, and that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. He didn't divorce her. God gave her ten more children. I believe he did. After the first ten, isn't it strange that God gave, gave them exactly the seven boys and three girls again the second time? You say, well, he didn't give them, he didn't give them twice as many children the second, uh, to make up. No, the others were already in heaven probably because Job prayed so faithfully to them. I was thinking about this. Let me close this out with you. Can you imagine? This might be a help to you, some of you, especially we older ones, a little bit more years on us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The Lord taught me this this week. Maybe it'll help you. Can you imagine praying when they had these fest, fest, uh, festivities when they had their birthday, they think it might be, and then those seven days, all seven boys had it in their home, and then it just happened that that was on the feast time, and, and what happened is the wind hit them all when they were all, all ten of them were gathered together to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice with each other and with their sisters and brothers. Job was not there, but he was happy for it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? He was praying always for his sons that they wouldn't curse God in their heart. I mean, he was praying for, for this boy who, who was named, you know, we'll just call him John. And he was praying for George. And he was praying for Elijah. And he was praying for uh, this one and all these others. David, maybe they named him after David. Prayed for, uh, well, he wouldn't have, because David came a lot later. But anyhow, we don't know what their names were. You get what I'm saying? All these seven boys, praying for his boys. Do you think he prayed for his girls? Come on now. Come on now. Sure he did. He prayed for all of his children. And he rejoiced that they were getting together. Can you imagine with me? Can you imagine with me? I've got to say it three times. Can you imagine with me his love for his sons and wondering if they're going to... Cur- oh, God, don't let my sons curse you in their heart while they're having all this, these good, wonderful, clean enjoyments of, of brothers and sisters and their families. Some of them were probably married. I don't know. And had children already. I don't know. Surely they were not all a bunch of uh, teenagers at all. Ten kids? You get what I mean? Hello? They were, and he prayed for every one of them. And God let the devil kill every one of them in one minute. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? That'd be something if both of your girls died. Amen? In a car wreck. But God allowing the devil to kill all ten of his children in one day. I mean, I think Job's mind was a little shook. I think Job was... He was... He was down as far as you can get. I mean, how much lower can... Why is God doing this to me? He didn't charge God foolishly, though. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're, you're doing better than me, Job. You're better than I do. And I'll lose all your 
oxen, lose all your sheep and all your servants and lose everything, and then all ten of your kids in one day. You're doing better than me, Job. I wouldn't have done so well. <laughs> That's why God chose to test him to that extent and not you. We couldn't take it. We couldn't take it, but Job could take it. Wasn't he something? Whew. I mean, wasn't he something? And shame on these pastors across this country who don't study their Bible enough that they, I've heard them on the radio, and they say there was a secret sin of Job. That's a lie. I said that's a lie. And I don't like lies about the man of God. I don't like it at all. Oh, there was some hidden sin in Job. No, no. That's what the three accused him of. Could you imagine everything gone? And he still said, to his dear wife. She said, why don't you curse God and die? See, she was weaker than Job. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women. The Lord giveth. Even in this, Job retained his integrity. I'm trying to close now. I'm trying to close my message. I'm just wondering. Here's the application. Would we, would we do even half as well? If all of us were at that family reunion and God just allowed a, a hurricane or a tornado to come up and kill all of our kids, allow, and we were, we were not there at that moment and every one of them, or an underwater crossing and they were all going across there and didn't realize it and took every one of our children. He lost 10 children in one day. And it was not an accident. <laughs> it was not an accident. God said, Satan, you could touch everything he has. Just go get him, but don't touch his body. Then later he said, you can even touch his body. I know Job can take it. My Job is something different. He's made us something better than this old world has to offer. Wasn't Job a good one? As they say down south, he's a good one. And he only was made good by God. I mean, he lost everything else but his faith in God, but he didn't lose his faith in God. He didn't lose his integrity where many of us would, and probably I would have. But we could take a little courage from this and do better, couldn't we? Be a little more prepared for the catastrophe that the Lord might allow in our life. So may God help us. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord, for... Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole.